And our next speaker, uh, Durga Kahl from University of Calgary, and she will talk about uh, uh, Like Ink on Water, a medieval genealogical document from Konkan. So Durga, please. Hello all. I couldn't have asked for a better segue into this paper than Dr. Ball's presentation. It, it fits like a glove. Um, the cache of documents in the form of letters, travelogues, farman, and genealogies in the coastal towns of Maharashtra illustrate the larger world of Indian Ocean Nexus. If Deccan or Desh serves as a center of political center, Kokan can be interpreted as the porous boundary that connects medieval Maharashtra or even Maharashtra today to Central Asia, Middle East, Africa, and beyond. The chance discovery of an Arabic genealogical document in Kokan led me down the path of critical examination of the networks of circulation in Muslim communities of Kokan. The document that I present today is but a representative of four such documents that I stumbled upon during my fieldwork in 2019. Three of the documents are in personal collection of Sayyid families, and I will be discussing one today. My immediate temptation was to approach the genealogical text as a comparative study of Kulavrutanta traditions in Kokan, drawing from my previous research on movement of people, family histories, and connectedness in a Hindu sacralized landscape of the coastal towns. However, I would have done a great disservice to analyze the document in comparison rather than a study of the document itself and what it holds. With my ethnographic approach, my treatment for this genealogical text traverses the boundaries of literary analysis. I build on my anthropological perspective in anchoring the tradition of genealogical writing in the local socio-religious milieu of Kokan that contributes to the evolving set of ideals and interpretation since the pre-modern times. I draw from Peter Schmidt and Alice Kehoe's work, The Archaeologies of Listening. In adopting such an approach for my study, I integrate the local accounts and build on older and existing tradition around material culture and in this context, an object that is of literary in nature. It also serves as an heirloom to the family and contributes to the understanding of the community as a whole. Furthermore, the data from the genealogical document and oral narratives of the members of Siddhi, uh, my apologies, Sayyid families render a layered interpretation for the text along with the tradition and circulation. Rather than inquiring and deliberating on the exact date of the document, I'm more invested in looking at the cultural milieu it presents, and to some degree, the one that it propagates. If I were to draw from the social network theory, I would echo Bruno Latour's suggestion that objects too have an agency in framing, articulating, and often perpetuating the networks. And in this case, it is a network of socio-religious nature, a part of which I'll attempt to unravel today. The juxtaposition of classical Islamic history in the family genealogies in Kokan, in addition to an enduring strand composed of silsila for the specific Sufi tariqa, makes for a layered reading in this genealogical text. The spiritual genealogy going back to Prophet Muhammad and further to Adam echoes the literary tradition from Persia, African Ajami system, Yemen, East European documents, and many others stocked across the museums. This one is housed at the Met Museum, and I wanted to start on a high note 
with gilded inscriptions and detailed, probably uh, bi biographical notes attached with each person represented in the genealogy. The text that I'm going to talk about is a little different. It's relatively plainer than the one at Met. Let us start with tracing the classical tradition. In the document from Kokan, Adam occupies the premier position as the progenitor of human race, recognized by the following label, Sheikh, for Adam's son. Um, the one here is probably Adam, based on what follows. The next important element is an em embellished element for Prophet Muhammad that reads, Jalaholo Aini Muhammad, Salam Allah. With a small interlude in the philosophical tradition, with the mention of angel Gibril or Jibril, Al Amlaika Hadra Gibril, Arehu Salam. So the one on the top is Allah, and this one is angel Gibril. The outer circle around Prophet's inscription mentions wives of Prophet Muhammad, and the circle to the right is Zikrayaulade, or the progenies of the Prophet. Most of the names to the left appear to be feminine names, and the notable one being Amina for Amina bint Wahab, Prophet Muhammad's mother. This section of the genealogy anchors the tradition in a socially accepted line of succession for all sectarian traditions in Islam, but it diverges later. Shoheb Niazi, in their work on Sayyids in colonial India, attributes these literary tendencies deployed by literate Sayyids who narrated the past through the medium of nasib or genealogy to emphasize on lineage and descent and also to legitimize their superior social status. I would extend this literary position as a strategy to articulate the distinctions between Muslims and Kokan. There is a stark distinction between the emic perspectives of Takni Muslims, Kokani Muslims, and Arabic Muslims settled in Kokan, which are highlighted through oral narratives. Further in the genealogical scroll, the first four caliphs described as Khulafa Rashid, Rashidun find a place in the document. From right to left, it is Abdullah ibn Abi Huafa, Abu Bakr, Abu Bakr Omar ibn al-Khattab, Udham bin Ufan uh, or Osman, and Ali bin Abi Talib. The lineage, a combination of both biological and philosophical, continues to include early sheikhs or, teaching or teachers of Sufi lineage that merge into the Qadri lines and later mention of the Sayyid family themselves uh, with the suffix Sayyid. It starts from Al-Sayyid Muhammad Abdullah and Sayyid Daud that we see these prefixes attached. Often, some names mentioned in the lineage appear with Hashmi and Shah suffixes, which probably corroborate the assertion that this family has been a Sunni family from the beginning. And some study on the uh, last names is highlighted by the respondents as well as in the work of Anne-Marie Shemel. Let's not go into that for the time being. Another noteworthy feature of the document is a threefold placement of genealogical succession. The Tasawwuf al-Silsila, or the Sufi line of philosophical succession, occupies the right side of the document marked in red, the bloodline with male descendants occupies the center and some sections to the left contain names of notable females, probably from within the family. 
A further line of inquiry will be to investigate the role and significance of female names in this genealogical arrangement. Currently, it does not seem to be consistent throughout the gene uh, genealogical scroll, and most of the names appear without a label describing their position or their association with the male members of the family. In the center of this roughly seven foot long scroll and the three intertwined weaves, the spiritual, the biological, and the mention of notable female names, an inscription of Sayyid Abdul Khadir Jalani appears. This one. It roughly reads Hazrat al Awliya, al Burhan, al Al Siya, al Sheikh, al Hadi Sayyid Abdul Khadir Jalani, Asal Makhtum, Raziallah. The outer circle probably contains names of his sons in the birth order in clockwise direction. The elder and Sayyid family that I interviewed in Masure narrated an incident from his recollection of his father occupying this part of the manuscript and using it as taviz or amulet. I began to wonder about the attempt at redacting or changing the name in the central inscription, and I currently keep mulling over the possible explanation. In this shared tradition of sheikhs, murids, and khadims, the text and the discussion inserts another element typical of numerous documents in the area. The element of barkat, or, in, or if to be translated in case of Hindu literature, the element of falashruti. Later in the Sayyid genealogical scroll, the left-hand column appears to have a series of barkat incantations instead of names of females. These barkat incantations are very similar to the modern karobar ki dua, roza ki dua, with bismillah at the end. Additionally, although the document is investing, uh, invested in tracing Sayyid Abdul Khadir Kilani's lineage from uh, Prophet Muhammad to one side and the lineage leading up to Sayyid family in Pokhan on the other, several notable sheikhs, such as Sayyid um, Abu Musa al-Hambali, who popularized the Hambali school of jurisprudence, find a place in the document. Following the imposing central inscription, the document continues to trace the lineage, later entangled with the Qadri Sufi sheikhs and the Sayyid bloodline. If one is to read between the lines, the tariqa becomes a quintessential part of Sayyid family line in this document and promulgates a practice that is current in the port towns north of Malwan, where I found this document uh, at. Al-Sayyid al-Aswad, speaking of the Sufi genealogies in Nile Delta, expands on the aspect of intertwining the genealogies, which cater to both political and spiritual lineages. Sufi hagiographical, um, and I quote, Sufi hagiographical narratives enrich people's social imagination and serve as a means not merely for legitimizing a saint's spiritual position, but also pr to provide individuals with examples of the significance and legitimacy of spirituality. In addition to spiritual gain, social and economic benefits are derived from brotherly relationship. Whereas it is true that brotherhood networks began as family networks, real brotherhood from the Sufi point of view is not merely siblinghood based on blood relationship, but it encompasses companionship, end quote. The saints are also known as friends of God or Wali, building further on the concept of brotherhood and comradeship. The work on Indian Ocean networks and literature, such as personal correspondence, supports the concept of shared brotherhood, joined by tariqa 
above bloodlines or familial relationships. In her book, Patricia Rousseau alludes to the brotherhood across the oceans and continents, joined by a common maritime world, and directs our attention to what I will call the paper families. This is a bit of a digression, but humor me for a second. In the long history of immigration to North America, some immigrant families from Asia, such as China, Japan, and India, claimed relationship with individuals from their country now settled in the West Coast of America. Most of the records were burnt in a massive fire and many immigrants claimed the loss of paper trail to be the reason that they did not have paperwork on their person. This was a reason enough to make new documents and to get included or inducted in the genealogies of first immigrants from their homeland already settled in America. Although a modern example, the concept of paper families resonates with the discussion on genealogies and paper trail as a means to substantiate migratory and diasporic uh, communities. Ranbir Chakravarti's research points to the connectedness in maritime Indian Ocean world as well. And a particular case in which a sailor is accepted at a port site after reciting a fragment of philosophical genealogy or silsila, or by producing fragments or entire documents highlighting the genealogies, slightly corroborates to my extrapolated comparison with the paper families. Two families associated with long maritime occupations in the port of Musakaji in Ratnagiri recited a similar story of finding a place in that port town as a part of Sufi brotherhood after traveling from Arabia. I highlight this aspect of brotherhood through hagiography and genealogy to illustrate the perceived value of a document such as this one that forms a part of the connected Indian Ocean world. A closer examination of the document reveals numerous entries added with pencil or ball pen as a retroactive addition, such as these ones in the top corner. There are many more. These are probably made in the recent past. The now deceased elder of the family in the Sayyid family is said to have been proficient in both Arabic and Persian and conducted regular consultation for people. The elder lady that I talked to recounted instances of Rishtedar or uh, family Bratan visiting them with a request to add names to this genealogical document. The interaction with physical document as a part of enduring tradition well after the epoch of traveling with genealogical scrolls marks nostalgia for the microcosm created by and associated with the document at its center, including the intent to have your inscription as a part of lineage leading to Muhammad, the tactile translation of belonging trickles into the discussion of anthropology of memory or memorialization. Although an interesting facet, I turn to more material and performatory aspects of the document for now. In piecing together Not what I... Minutes. Okay, perfect. Uh, in piecing together what I initially thought was a disparate set of prominent figures in Islam, it became apparent that the document builds an existing line of succession and adds local hagiographic element to the composition. The Sayyid families attending the Urs function in the area often visit the Khadim's house as a touchstone to look at the genealogical scroll. I was told that the last recollection of such visitations was during Urs in the 1970s, before many of the Sayyid family members moved to Gulf and other countries following the oil boom. 
Although the scroll continues to be wrapped in brown paper, stored away in a metal container, the parity between oral, material, and performative traditions deserves a mention. At the end of the document, some of the names of Khadriya sheikhs stand out, who are immemorialized in the local landscape near Matsure and Atsra. These are the dalgas that I will be briefly mentioning. Sayyid Hussein Shah Khadri is locally regarded as one of the first settlers near the port of Atsra in Sindhudurg district. Urs is a joint celebration between the Dalkha for Sayyid Hussein Khadri, Sayyid Ahmad Shah Khadri at Masure. To, to these um, celebrations, the patrons from the Dargahs of Hazrat Sayyid Mustafa Khadri and Lal Shah Wali join in. Woven in the same local tradition, the document arranges the names of prominent sheikhs in the Brotherhood with Ahmad Shah Khadri occupying a prominent position. Local narratives rely on a combination of fantastical accounts for the Peers and Wali, some of whom are spoken to be the original owners of the land. This claim on local landscape and the paper trail factors into anchoring material presence on the land in the form of targa and performative traditions. I think I will skip some portion of my paper and jump to my last point. The geographical situatedness of the document and the histories of belonging gathered from oral accounts make for a layered interpretation of networks of circulation with genealogical text. The text carves a multifarious identity as a document authenticating belonging, legitimizing authority in the area and asserting participation in a specific silsila or tradition. All of these echo the political history gleaned from sources of history on Sayyids and some as highlighted by Dr. Bal in his presentation. The oral narratives further provide cues for a probable migration and travel of the Sayyid families in Malvern area. Of almost all the names appearing in the document and in the local landscape, the name Sayyid Mustafa Khadri al-Baghdadi resonates with a geographical anchor. While most Sayyid family members attribute a history of migration from Baghdad, two individuals recall an Egyptian or Ethiopian connection. They attribute the Harariya Khadri order popularized by Hadrami Sharif, Abu Bakr bin Abdullah al whose name appears partially in the list of philosophical genealogy in the text. A curious connection with the Swahili coast through a family member labeled as Kani Highlighted, one of the, highlighted in one of the respondents' narratives also pushes the boundaries of connectedness with this small hamlet and that of the larger Indian Ocean world. Through the myriads of interconnections and geographical crossovers, most of the members maintain that they have a separate and direct connection with Prophet Muhammad as opposed to other Muslims in Kokan. A beautiful allegory that the Sayyids floated to South Asia like ink on water and their inked documents stuck with me. And with the motive of floating to the ocean, the respondents also expand on the background stories of Qadri Sufi peers in the area who arrived in peetis or chests may, uh, who made it to the port. Nancy Um and Sheila Unwin, among others, reconstruct the conspicuous presence of wooden chests as an integral part of this exchange. While a thriving mercantile network in Kokan, the genealogies, old and new, anchor the locale and the sectarian tradition in a very local or vernacular milieu. The present idea that enables objects such as this text 
impact the networks of circulation that have some enduring thread since the pre-modern times. And returning to Alice Kehoe's thoughts from the archaeology of listening, this conversation between people and objects, or text in this case, enables one to traverse the paths that were previously walked on by someone in the past. Thank you.